Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. I'm Sonia Larea. And we are so excited to have hey. you guys for episode 33. It is our need for identity. And as you can tell, I am joining you not from Atlanta. <laughs> yes. Where are you I at, am, Lacey? I am at the beach right now and that's why my hair is a little bit wet that's why it looks like there's a beach picture in the background i am enjoying the sand and the sun good good because in atlanta yeah. here it's raining we got storms but i'm glad you're at the beach <laughs> oh there's storms there yeah there are um i mean it was it depends on what area you're in but it was raining pretty bad here now it's slowed down so yeah i escaped the storms just yeah, in time. Did. Yes, did. <laughs> well, we are uh, glad to have you guys. We missed you last week. Uh, it was July 4th weekend. Sonia and I both have been really, really busy, um, but we definitely took the week to take a breather from the podcast. So we missed you last week, but we're glad to be back. Um, we've had a lot going on, but we're really, really excited. Sonia, we haven't talked a lot in the last couple weeks, but... No. Since our last episode, but one thing that's happened since I saw you, I wanted to share with you and with the audience, is I actually changed my diet. I went back to uh, a vegan diet. Okay. Mm-hmm. How's, how's that working out? It's going great. I feel really, really good. Like really, really good. More energy, more clear-headed, just more calm. More. Uh, it's easier for me to accept things, I think, um, that radical acceptance thing that we, maybe you mm -hmm. and I have talked about before, I think is a little bit easier. And sometimes I really do think like what we put in our bodies does affect, um, all of our body, our mind, our emotions, everything. And so I do think it, it makes a difference. Well, on that note, I am still eating sugar. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> No, yeah, because I, I have a sweet tooth. I try to be good and have like dark chocolate and stuff, but there you yeah, go. it's tough. That's a it's good tough. substitute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we hope you all had a good 4th of July. Um, I know there's a couple articles that I've shared with Sonia um, lately, which, and, and the last time we were with you, we said we were going to talk with you about motherhood and the Oedipus complex. Um, and we're not going to do that today, but we will do that very soon, likely the next episode. We've both just been too busy to really dive into that. And we don't want to we want to do it justice. So we're going to hold off. Um, but yeah, Sonia, anything you want to mention before we get into our topic, which is our human need for identity? No, I'm excited about getting into the topic. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, um, we have been in this series um, talking about our human needs and our human nature. Um, and today we are going to talk about the need for identity. And I think we mentioned it a little bit in our last podcast um, when we were talking about our need for rootedness. Um, and Sonia, we mentioned it kind of towards the end. But what are some of the things that kind of jumped out at you about this section, Sonia? Well, the main thing that jumps out at me is that man cannot remain sane if he doesn't have a way of satisfying this need for identity and rootedness. That is huge. <laughs> the fact that that right. is something 
you know, that is needed. We can't remain sane. That's, that's a huge statement. Um, that also jumped right. out at me is how when the child is born, you know, initially there is no I that develops much later. The child doesn't understand the I, the infant, right. you know, is, is still one with the mother. So that's an interesting concept of how you come into the world and how then the I has to develop. I really like that point because I think it's easy for folks who haven't spent a lot of time around infants or kids or haven't ever had a kid to overlook that fact. It's very true. An infant develops, Frome says, that sense of I, the ability to say I, it's one of the last things that develop Mm -hmm. um, for a baby and for a child, um, really for for an infant. And so that is quite interesting. And it is true how dependent upon the mother the infant is. And so there's this uh, autonomy, not autonomy, but this codependence. Codependence might not even be the word, but definitely dependence. And at some point, as the infant begins to learn that there are things outside of himself or herself, Mm -hmm. then he begins to realize, oh, I am outside of, you know, not just things around me, but me, I'm separate too. And Mm -hmm. that's where that sense of I comes from. And so I think it's quite interesting that he says, if we don't have an, a sense of I, uh, we will go insane. Right. I like what he says that only after he has conceived of the outer world as being separate and different from himself, does he come to the awareness of himself as a distinct being. And one of the last words he learns to use is I in reference to himself. Well, Mm. I think that's really powerful is obviously a lot of people in therapy because of this issues when they're developing and and the attachment or the not being able to, you know, not being able to detach or the the excess attachment. There's a lot here. No, it's true. It reminds me of the episode we did on narcissism where we talked about Mm -hmm. primary narcissism and how important that is that that stage of being an infant um and really what was it i think up until like age six or seven it's really hard for kids to understand that other people have needs and so for that time it's very important actually for kids to to be narcissistic for lack of a better way to say it and without that time um they're likely to be an unhealthy, unhealthy on the scale of narcissism as an adult, which is damaging to, you know, the individuals around that person. So it's not something that we want. So it's like, hey, let's get all the narcissism out like we're supposed to at the beginning <laughs> and not, not not save it for later, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I also thought this was really powerful in reading how people will even forgo their physical survival to yeah. identify, uh, you know, ident- well, the, he gets into identifying like with a group because we start out with the clan, you know, yeah. the primitive clan. And then right. that that's really interesting how if you look back in history, he gives the example of like the feudal system, being a peasant or being a feudal lord. I thought that was quite interesting. It's not that I, the way he describes it, it's not I, This it's who you are. It's not like this separateness that they embody that that person, that feudal lord or that peasant. So if you take yes. that away, if you say, you're not a peasant anymore, well, then the mm-hmm. question becomes, well, who am I? I mean, right. that's an interesting, that's not, I think, something in the modern day world that we deal with. 
Yes. So it's a whole so, different way of thinking, you know. Like from uh, to have or to be, when Fromm says, if I am what I have and I lose what I have, then what am I? Right. It's a similar yeah. kind of thing. And and he says in here, like um, peasants or lords, they that that wasn't like a description of them. That was who they right. were. Right. So really different than, you know, where we are today as far as um, classes are concerned. They're a lot more fluid now in yeah. some ways. They are. But then in some ways, I don't know, I might argue that they aren't. Right. The The question was really good where he puts, uh, the person's going to say, how do I know that I am I? Mm. How do I know that I am Ooh. I? So, yeah. That's, that's, that's the, one. that taps into the insanity and sanity part. How do I know mm -hmm. that I am I? If you can't know that you are you, you're definitely going to have a hard time being a stable individual, I would imagine. Right. And it makes, for me personally, it, it I'm more empathetic when I look back at history and I see, say you see like a documentary or you see a movie or read, you kind of question like, how could these people be in these roles? But when you realize that that's what defined, that's who they were. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't separate for them. That's just who they were. Right. So it makes you realize it's a different way of, of thinking. And it's also, I think the point, one of the points he's making here is like, that's one way to find your identity is mm -hmm. in this herd conformity, uh, you know, idea, this idea that my identity is in the group, in the herd. And then there's the identity of finding your identity within yourself as an individual, and then finding yourself as a part of that group in a healthy way. So obviously that the second one is what he's advocating for, what I would advocate for. Right. He talks about how you go into Western culture and then you're starting to have the experience of the individuality mm -hmm. where we're, you know, having the individual uh, thinking freely, like politically, economically, by teaching the individual to think for him or herself. But of course, like yes. you were saying, then we get into the part, there's still this identity issue where you say, I am this religion or I am this occupation. So there's right. this need to identify with um, with something beyond just yourself as an individual. That's how I see it. That, that yeah. there's this need for the individual to attach to, like you're saying, a herd, a group. Yes, yes. He says many substitutes for a truly individual sense of identity were sought for and found nation, religion, class mm -hmm. and occupation serve to furnish a sense of identity. I would argue that we in this culture, American culture now in 2021, we largely find our sense of identity in our work. Because what is the first thing that people ask each other when they meet each other? Yeah. What do what you do? You do? do? What do you do? What do you yeah. do? Right. right. So I am a teacher. I am a whatever you are. So, yeah, I think we're 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 definitely we're one of the folks that do that or we're one of the cultures that do that for sure. Yeah. What's interesting, too, is our culture. I think we do have this need to identify with something, some, you know, some group. But I find what's fascinating now is how we see the danger of actually attaching um, ourselves to some institution or group because then mm -hmm. the group thinking takes over the individual. If it clashes with one's belief, then the individual says, well, I want to be part of this group. 
So I have to accept that right. their beliefs. And that's a real dangerous place to be. Even though I understand yeah. there's that part of you that wants to have the support or be, you know, be with your, you know, people. It's, mm -hmm. it's a dangerous place though, I think. Yeah, for sure. Especially when we start talking about religious groups and, you know, unfortunately this institutional, what we've talked mm -hmm. about on the podcast or uh, sexual abuse that we see over, we've seen for decades now and yeah. it just happens over and over again. And so the power that's given as a result of that mindset can be very, very, very dangerous. Yeah, it's the conformity. You know, people want to conform and they want to belong. It's the belonging. And then yeah. we run into this problem, like you said, of the institutions. And I think there's a tendency to kind of look the other way, like, oh, there's might be a few bad things going on there. But in as a whole, we're a really good group here. So we're not going to look at this. And that's... <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Trouble, yeah. And I, I laugh. I'm sorry. I laugh. No, though, it's okay. It's... That's the sweet spot though. Like when you go, yeah, we have a couple things wrong. When you can say, yeah, we have a couple things wrong. Let's think about those. You know, that's where, where we can make the growth and like where the, well, what I'm saying, sweet spot, good, good things can come out of it. Cause nobody's perfect. Right. And no group can be perfect as a result. But, right. but the issue is when we just overlook, uh, you know, blind spots and areas where, you know, we don't areas where we know that we can see improvement in ourselves. Yeah. And I think what Fromm says, at least that struck me that resonates with me says the need to feel a sense of identity stems from the very condition of human existence. And it is the source of the most intense strivings since mm. I cannot remain sane without the sense of I, I am driven to do almost anything to acquire this sense. Yeah. And I, you know, I can relate to that because what I think happens is it's almost like a death. So someone says, well, if I go against the group, then who am I? And I'm alone. So mm. this is something that is like from, from, from what Frome is saying is, you know, it's the source of one of the most intense strivings of being a human. Yeah. That we, we need to identify with uh, our quote unquote group, clan, but then the question then becomes is who who or what are we identifying with? Yeah. And I mean, the other thing this makes me think about is how important it is for an individual to have a sense of I, to have a description of what I is for themselves. You know, what does that actually mean? And and being settled in that, because without that, there's going to be a lot of insecurity and instability. Yeah, um, it was interesting what you said earlier about how it is in the States. I'm not sure how we would define it in other countries. I don't know that work, it's placed, you know, on the same level as we do here. But I think an interesting experiment would be meeting people, not knowing anything like what they do, that sort of thing, just interacting, having conversations, mm -hmm. you know, they read or that maybe they, you know, do some sport or you just know them as a human being and yeah. then finding out later what they do instead mm -hmm. of, you know, having that preconceived notion, Oh, you're a teacher. Oh, right. you're a CEO. Oh, you, you know, work in house cleaning. You know, it's, we already create yeah. in our mind who this individual is and we don't really know everything about that person or just, it's a very limited, you know, part of them. Yeah. 
One thing I, I challenge myself to do is not ask that question whenever I meet new right. people. I'm like, right. I'm not even going to ask the question because you know what? It doesn't determine the person's value at all. <laughs> you know, the person is valuable because I, they're a person, they're in front of me. Plus I'm more interested in what do they enjoy? Yeah. What are they passionate about? You know? So I'll tell you something that I've noticed people do. And I know people don't mean to perhaps do this, but it's, it's, it's not right. I'll, t I'll give you an example. So you understand that if you're an American, you're born here and you could have your uh, ancestors could be from wherever, you know, they could be from another country, but as an right. American, you're here. A lot of people tend to, if you look differently, if one looks differently, whether it's the color of their skin or some feature about them, a lot of people say, well, where are you from? Right. And then the person that will say, well, I'm from here. I'm from the States. No, no, no. But like, where are you from? Right. And which to me, that's incorrect because they're from here. So the question well, though, what the person right. wants to know is like, where, where's your descendants from? But right. if you think about it, it's kind of not appropriate <laughs> in that if you're well, born here, you're American, you know? That would be a really weird question for me if I was born here and somebody asked me multiple times, where are you from? Well, I already told you where I'm, from. I'm here, you know, I'm from here just because I don't look like I'm from here doesn't mean I'm not from here. You know, on that note, actually, you know, I know we didn't discuss anything, Sonia, about like what we've been reading this week and ideas right. and different things in the news. But there's a book um, that I've been listening to actually through the Fulton County Library app. It's called Dreams from Many Rivers, I believe is the title, okay. but it's a Latin American history. Uh, it's a book on Latin American history. And it's so super interesting. And it's actually just a collection of poems mm -hmm. of people talking about their experience um, it, throughout history of being a Latin American in the U.S. And wow. a lot of it is like a lot of discrimination stories about sure. like, yeah. you know, I'm I have a I speak Spanish or I have a Latin last name, Latin American last name. And people don't regard me actually truly as an American. And I'm like, Wow. It's just, That's exactly it's, what I'm saying. You know, a person could be, speak perfect English. They could have been here for many years and born here, but they, their ancestors or, you know, great grandparents are from somewhere else. And, and in, other individual immediately, there's like that discrimination. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, and so again, it goes to the identity. It's how we're, we need to put these people in boxes. You know, we need to do this, identify mm. them a certain way. And, um, I think, you know, Frome talks about, just brings up the, the need that we all have to be, to all also have an identity, but we have to really be careful where we, how we decide to define that. And we already know that. We can see that through our politics, through um, status, economics. There's mm -hmm. so many areas that we tend to um, all of a sudden do the judgment, decide, you know, right. who belongs where, you know, and yeah. that's... Uh, you That's, have to be careful. I love what you're saying about how quickly we label. Like we, it seems like a, a, a need, like this unconscious need we have when we are around someone new. It's like, how do I put you in a box? How do I label you? You know what I'm saying? Like just trying to get mm -hmm. information to help us organize and categorize like where the person fits in the scheme of society and culture. Um, I definitely observe that in I've in my own behavior in the past and, you know, in other people's behavior. And I wonder if we can think about like how or why that is important. And, you know, 
is it really important, right? Um, interesting. Yeah, I think Frum's going to go more into that. I think I think that's why he's he's kind of contrasting the individual versus like we started versus the herd versus uh, the conformity because I think both of those are, you know, he's he's digging into that, and we're going to go deeper into that as we continue to um, to talk about him. But I I, I identify mm -hmm. with everything he's saying. I mean, um, he also does. This is one part that I thought was really good where he. In a previous chapter, we talked about it. He talks about a, a play where the the author of the play says, Ooh. "I am as you desire me." That, mm. I think we we might have talked about that in, when we were talking about the narcissism. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's a that's a huge one too. Yeah, he says, "In as much as I am not different, in as much as I am like the others and recognized by them as a regular fellow, I can sense myself as I." I am mm -hmm. as you desire me. Um, so it's like mm -hmm. a, it's a form of creating a herd identity, you know, mm -hmm. it, the identity in that case rests on the unquestionable, unquestionable belonging to the crowd. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, that's so interesting and, and how that links to us losing our real authenticity. I think that's a very good point. You know, remember, um, Melissa Bernstein was talking about how we live outside of, we live in inauthenticity and we also live outside of our, our own authenticity so much. And that's where a lot of anxiety co comes from. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I think there's a real link to that here, you know, being what everybody else wants us to be or what we think everybody else wants us to be. Right. And then I'm sure that's driven by the need to feel safe and to not go insane like <laughs> from the same. Yeah, but yeah. there's a there's there's a price to pay for that too, um, mm -hmm. as you're saying with the inauthenticity. Um, but yeah, I right. think yeah he he really drives home the fact where he says what could be more obvious than the fact that people are willing to risk their lives to give up their love, to surrender their freedom, to sacrifice their own thoughts. That's a big one yeah, <laughs> for the uh, sake. And that that of, happens a yeah. lot more than people might realize. We do that. Yeah. For the sake of being one of the herd of conforming and thus of acquiring a sense of identity, even though it is an illusory Ooh, one. Man, I love <laughs> That's pretty good. God, yeah. I love this man. Why is he? Okay, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's so, so good. And I think that the contrast he's presenting here is, are we finding our identity in the herd or are we finding our identity within ourselves? And I think what I'm hearing him say here is, um, you know, if we don't find it within ourselves as an individual, we're going to look to the herd to find right. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We are. Yeah. Mm. So interesting and so good. And, and that, that herd sense of identity he's saying is an illusion, an illusory one. It's an illusion. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an illusion. And that's again, why there's that disconnect and the level of anxiety that so many people feel, you know? Yeah, I think it's pervasive. I think that is, um, I think when we talked, I don't know if it's Melissa Bernstein or which uh, person we interviewed, but the fact that a lot of people are living with like, this low level anxiety or yeah. depression says a lot. 
Yes, yes, it does. And actually, that was one of the articles I sent to you this week, Sonia, um, that I thought we okay. might discuss. And we can at another time in more detail if we want. But there's a New York Times article about eight-year-olds now, oh, right. eight yes, and nine-year-olds. I read a little bit of it this morning, committing suicide. And this is like the new, where we're seeing it now, not just teenagers, but like not That's even 10-year-olds. That is a heartbreaking. And, and heartbreaking. then in the article, it says that they ask, where did you get this idea? Do you know where they said? Social no. media. Social well, yeah, media. I was going to guess that. but oh. uh, I mean, it's a good guess, but it's scary. And again, this is the difference between someone like you and I who did not grow up with social media and these kids who are growing up with the, with the technology now and the connection and the bullying that... Yeah would typically experience in person is now happening hyper it's hyper now because it's online too and so it follows them everywhere they go um you know when they're home with looking on their devices and so another shout out to sherry turkle's book reclaiming conversation right here because if oh, you yes. have kids please i i i think it's a great read, read for you to, yeah it, to get an understanding of like how this technology is impacting growth and development for kids. It's, it's such a big deal. So it's, it's huge. Yeah. Check it out. Well, um, we are going to cut it a little short today just because mm -hmm. Sonia and I are, have both been crazy, but we wanted to connect with you guys and share this little section. Um, obviously I'm in at the beach. And so um, I'm, we're committed to you guys, but also <laughs> I'm also with my family. So I want to spend some time with She's them. On so, vacation, vacation. Yeah. So yay. <laughs> but, um, but we hope you guys are awesome. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for being with us. Um, yeah. We're not going anywhere, even though we missed a week here, uh, holiday stuff, but um, we will see you guys soon. And we appreciate you joining us on the Rethinking Humanity podcast. Bye guys. <laughs>